This is episode 426, how your inner child can stop being triggered so much in relationships with Oliver. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I love today's episode because I'm coaching someone who is a therapist and has a lot of awareness. And I love when coaches and therapists know that talking to another coach or therapist is really helpful. I have coaches. I never will not (laughs) because I believe that it's just something that helps us continue to grow and, and helps illuminate blind spots. I'll talk more about what this episode is about in a moment. Before I dive in, I want to ask you to pretty please go and complete the podcast survey that we've compiled for you. We're thinking of making some changes to the podcast, specifically the name of the show. If you go to christinehassler.com slash survey, that's how you can access the survey. And there's some other questions on there where we just really want to get a sense of what you like, what you don't like, what you're listening to, if you have any suggestions. I'm always looking to improve the show, serve you better. But in so many ways, this is a one-way conversation. I put the podcast out there. I get to talk to the person that I'm coaching. But um, many of you, I I don't know what you're thinking or what you want. So this survey is an opportunity for it to be more of a two-way conversation, which I really value. So again, it's christinehasler.com slash survey. Thank you to all of you who have already filled it out. And if you do include your name and email in the survey, you will be entered to win a 30-minute coaching call with me. So I'm doing a little contest, a little drawing. Everybody that completes the survey that enters their name and email, it's going to be the names are going to be put into a bucket and we're going to pick somebody and you will get a 30-minute free coaching session with me that's not recorded or not aired. All right, so today's call is about really breaking the childhood patterns that show up in relationship. And I think that a lot of us can relate to being our current age and in a relationship or a work situation or a social situation or, or whatever, fill in the blank. We act in a way where it's like, oh, some part of us knows better. And we act in a way that's sabotaging or embarrassing or doesn't really get us what we want. Why do we do that? Well, often because there's an inner child wounding and programming at play. And after the session with Oliver, if that's not making sense to you right now, it will after you listen to the call. So as you're listening to this call, consider, do you notice you have a pattern in relationship that you just really don't like and you'd really like to change it? When you were growing up, did you have healthy relationships modeled for you? When you were growing up, did you have healthy parents or a healthy parent that was raising you? And finally, are you someone that's done a lot of work and you know a lot of things, but you wish things were changing a little more? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching session with Oliver. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor, Caraway Cookware. The holidays are approaching and you know what that means. What are you going to get people and people coming over for dinner? Well, Caraway solves two problems. Number one, makes a great gift. I'm going to tell you more about what Caraway is. And two, people coming over 
and them seeing your cook, them seeing, <laughs> you know what I mean? People coming over and seeing your beautiful, non-toxic cookware, they're going to be like, wow, I feel good that I'm eating out of this beautiful and non-toxic cookware. And it makes a great conversation as well. So Caraway's internet famous kitchenware is a staple for any home and comes in various modern shapes to fit any aesthetic design. But the best thing is Caraway's non-toxic kitchenware features a chemical-free ceramic coating so food can be prepared with peace of mind that no hard to pronounce chemicals will leach into your healthy food. I also love that they're introducing their stainless steel cookware set, which is their most popular product redesigned in stainless steel to take your meals to the next level. I use Caraway cookware. I love it. I've even bought their food storage kits and their muffin tin, and I'm just all about the Caraway. So here is how you can get a discount on Caraway for yourself or Caraway as a gift or both. Go to carawayhome.com, C-A-R-A-W-A-Y-H-O-M-E.com slash over it, or use promo code over it at checkout. This deal is exclusive for my listeners and won't last long. So again, visit carawayhome.com slash over it, caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. Now onto my coaching call with Oliver. Oliver, welcome to the show. How can I help? Thank you, Christine. Where do I begin? I mean, I've been fairly recently divorced, so nine months ago. I have two okay. little children. How little? Uh, four and two. Okay. Boy, four, girl, two. Uh, I absolutely love being a father. Uh, that goes That goes well. Uh, also, single parents goes. I mean, I, I manage fine. Um, but the thing I struggle with the most, uh, this is this has been historical, but but it's it's come much more to my awareness last three years and then through the divorce and then now the you know the last nine months is how quickly I lose my my strength or power. I don't know if power has a negative connotation, but just that sort of yeah, just adult strength. Mm. And the biggest trigger is is usually my uh, ex-partner but I mean it was like that in the whole seven-year relationship that we had mm. that um, yeah that I I I, kn- I know the theory you know so to speak and I know what happens I know the you know the past over overlays the here and now but it keeps on happening yeah can you give me an I, example um I mean, the most recent, I mean, that was because now we're co-parenting. So, you know, we're still in contact quite a lot with small children. So the most recent was today. But I think the biggest one recently was uh, six weeks ago. Basically, when I'm visiting my best friend who lives in Spain, I'm having a good time. And she, and not to not to throw her under the bus or anything like that, but she, she just keeps on apping, you know, what's happening like. It goes on like average 60 to 80 messages a day, which is a lot. And sort of trying to distract me or catch my attention. And then I can sense in me there's a fear building up. And I can sense her messages get angrier and angrier and angrier. And and mm-hmm. and then it erupts in a sort of full-on rant at me over WhatsApp. So it's also you know, a weird place to do that. And then, but I totally freeze and I sort of yeah i can feel myself becoming like a small child almost and i sort of try to you know make her see it a different way like totally yeah i mean behavior i'm not 
particularly proud of. Um, and then I sort of collapse into a free state, which I don't see in the moment. I can, I'm out of it now, so I can look back and say, oh, that's probably where it happened. But that's been a chronic, I mean, that's been a sort of a chronic thing in, in the whole seven years. Mm, and mm, even we have two small children um i mean i cannot just say you know goodbye and see you later i mean we have right. to and we are Connected good parents together mm-hmm. yeah exactly mm-hmm. and and uh, we do the the children we do really well i mean that's that's where we have same vision same you know we come together uh over uh, child rearing parts but then you know it bleeds into other areas of life where yeah. yeah she yeah i mean i feel she transgresses and then i and i have a difficulty to sort of say look we talk about this and, and you do not comment about this yeah. right right so was that the reason for the divorce yes i mean yeah chronic yeah okay are you happier out of the relationship Definitely. Yes. Okay. I mean, that sounds horrible to say, but yes. No, actually it sounds healthy to say I would want someone that got a divorce to be happier outside of the relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why you aren't in a relationship anymore. And what I'm hearing you say is you co-parent well, but you don't partner well. And oftentimes parents can be better co-parents than parents together because then the difficulties in the relationship aren't affecting the kids as much. So what I hear you saying is that you, when someone kind of comes at you in any way, instead of really having boundaries, holding that boundaries, for lack of a better phrase, sticking up for yourself or standing your ground, you more collapse, maybe go qu- quiet, give your power away. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have two modes. Uh one is that I sort of feverishly try to, but I can feel it from a young part. It's not it's not strength, but it's sort of like bloatedness, you know, and I mm-hmm. sort of, and I get upset and angry. I mean, that was in the relation, not so much now, but she would just, I mean, she would just, uh, you know, like bulldoze her over me. Uh, I mean, she could, something in her felt, this is not adult strength. This is just something else. Right. And and I would, I would obviously feel like a huge, and I would say things like, stop, I don't want to talk about, I mean, you know, it would, it would, she, 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 she could get angry very fast and very intensely, which, which uh, I've, I've always found very difficult to manage, but also my stop was never respected, almost never. So I had to almost always physically walk away. And then I have this other mode where I shut down and I sort of let it happen to me, you know, right? just, uh, okay, I can't stop this and I'll just take it like a champ so you either freeze or flee basically yes or okay. sort of fe- feverish semi-childish attempts at you know like diffusing i think i, I first tried to diffuse okay so you fawn a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i've got them all yes 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 and I know English is probably not your first language, so you're you're doing great with my my uh, my words here. So, I'm sure you've thought of this. You listen to the podcast. Do you have any sense of where this stems from? Because this probably, like you said, it's mo- was most activated by your ex. However, this is not the first time you've done this. this is, she's not the only person that you've had this situation with. Any idea no. of where you learned this type of response to yeah, confrontation? Very, 
uh, yeah, very clearly with uh, with uh, I mean, no big surprise, but with my own uh, mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what was she like? Well, she was, um, she is still, but I don't speak to her anymore. But she was in childhood. I mean, she was very, yeah, very aggressive. Very. I'm, I'm not a big diagnostics fan, but you know, she she was uh, diagnosed with with fairly extreme borderline, mm. and 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 she had an you know alcohol all kind of uh, alcohol and drug abuses on the side. <laughs> And she was just very chaotic, but also very aggressive, just just physically aggressive. So, but also you know all kinds of of, of transgressions. Mm. So I know I know that's where where it stems from. Mm. I'm sorry you experienced that. That's a a hard way to grow up. And how beautiful that you say that you love being a father is what a generational pattern breaker you are. So I really commend you for that, Oliver. That you found a way to keep your heart open and found a way to let your kids into your heart and didn't, didn't shut down, which is not easy to do. So I really, I really commend you and acknowledge you for that. And, you know, this is like, you have such clear awareness, right? And if only awareness was enough to change something and what, (laughs) (laughs) what is so important to understand is and you know this, I'm just going to remind you and my people listening is that when we have survival strategies, because you had to learn how to survive with your mother and that's a burden no child should have. No child should have to figure out, okay, how do I stay safe? How do I get love? How do I not poke the bear? You know, no child should have to figure that out. Every child should feel safe and loved. So they just figure out how to play and develop and find their gifts and I'm sure you're giving more of that to your own children, but you definitely didn't have that as a child. So a big piece of your development got stunted. It never really had an opportunity, especially your own will, your own sovereignty, your own ability to like know who you are and stand up for yourself in a situation. Because especially with someone with borderline, you constantly have to be figuring out where they are because so much of where they are impacts how they're going to treat you. So it's like, you can't focus on yourself, your focus completely has to be on the other person to navigate how you need to be based on them. Yeah, she was very extremely unpredictable, and and right. my my ex partner, I mean, much much softer, and again, not to throw her under the bus. So I don't think she has any of these, you know, labels. But but there was this equal amount of I don't know where she could flip from one side to the other in in like ten yeah. seconds. Yeah. Which is going to trigger all your stuff, you know, so these survival patterns, they are tricky to change and they can really hang on for a while. So one, I I just encourage you to drop any expectation that this should have been different a long time ago, or you should have been able to nip this in the bud just because you're aware of it. Um, Because so much of this is subconscious. So much of this is subconscious. So I want to ask you, have, have you done inner child work? Um, I mean, I've, I've done uh, yes and no. <laughs> it's the same. I mean, I've done, I've done a lot. Of, I'm a therapist myself, which, which oh, really, there you I'm go. Not, not very, yeah, but, you know, I mean, I'm not very proud to say that in given what kind of duplication of, of, of 
sort of childhood abuse I've I've created in my marriage. So um, there was many many blind spots that I didn't see. But what I've I've done I've done workshops and I've done you know in a child workshops, but it, it was always a little bit. I knew I knew sort of what they meant, but I couldn't. I mean, I could do the motions, but I you know I couldn't really feel much. Uh, mm. And very recently, I think probably because of the divorce and everything that came up there, but I'm talking six weeks ago, for the first time, something really opened up that it sort of, it came from bottom up instead of like my mind sort of Mm. uh, Mm. thinking this is probably what an inner child would say or so, yes, there's sort of a first contact established, I can sense that. Well, and that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And now would be the time to, and and first, let me just acknowledge the the shame comment about being a therapist and going out and you know having this relationship. So first of all, all therapists, coaches, practitioners, like we are our own best client. <laughs> we have yeah. like we we live the work, and and you know that so much of this is subconscious, and often we have to go out and duplicate our parental family of origin situation to wake up, to transform. Like it just is, yeah. it's just a necessary part of evolution. Doesn't matter how you know much you know and how many times you can direct people not to walk into that hole. Sometimes we have to walk into it ourselves so that we can actually go through it and, and heal it. And I'm not surprised yeah. that you're starting to have these feelings now post-divorce because you're out of the you're out of the triggering situation, right? That that person that personality isn't around you anymore. So the inner child is like, oh, okay. Oliver's removed, mom, basically, mm-hmm. remove the scary, unpredictable person. I'm starting to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I'm I'm sure there might have, well, I'm guessing there might have been times when you were a child that you just wanted somebody to come in and be predictable somebody to come in and and love you and take care of you and be predictable and, you know, like not, not have to manage yourself. And so by you not staying in the relationship, it doesn't matter if she instigated the divorce or you did, or it was mutual. It doesn't matter. The fact is you're out. So that inner child is going to start to feel a lot safer. Mm. So that's, that's huge. I would highly recommend, are you in therapy now? Uh, yes, I'm, okay. I'm a super super. I have a supervisor, but it's okay. been following me for years. Okay, okay, great. So continue that. But the other thing that I want to, since you have a therapist, I know you can do the inner child work and you can talk through stuff. I want to go a little more coachy with you. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. So I want to know what being in your power looks like. Because my spidey sense thinks that there's some misinterpretations that you made as a young boy about what power looks like, what standing up for yourself looks like. So you being in your power, what does that look like? Um, I mean, I would say that in every other area of my life, I can actually access my power fairly well i mean people would never look at, i mean people looked at me and said like when i told them when i i i instigated the divorce when i sort of finally escaped it almost feels and i told some people about what happened they really looked at me like what 
you in in that kind of situation so i can fairly i mean i'm in a in a leadership position at my work uh, I'm, i don't back off in sort of interpersonal conflicts like uh, it's not that i sort of scare away but in this one intimate relation dynamic i just completely melt and and I mean, I think the only, the, the few times I did actually access my power was just clearly stating boundaries, but from a calm place and then and removing myself. Mm-hmm. That was the only yeah. sort of, yeah. and what I did a lot is sort of, I mean, what I now see, I didn't see so much back then, but I can see that I became sort of a, I mean, basically very anxious man child yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with you know like bloating I felt bloated like I, I, I sort of portrayed myself as powerful but I, I from I mean I felt like seven year seven years old and, and of course you did of course you did because you know in that moment you time travel yeah. so and she and she's and she sensed it she sensed it yeah of course of course so I hear you saying that you feel really empowered in other areas of your life which is great And of course, this is going to show up in a more intimate relationship place because it's wounding for mom, right? You didn't have this wounding with peers and school and all those other things. So you might be great professionally or with friends, but this particular wound of, you know, being with a dysregulated, unpredictable, sometimes mean, sometimes loving person um, that you had to walk on eggshells and constantly decide how you were going to be based on how she was going to be is going to show up most in your intimate relationships. So what would being in your power in an intimate relationship look like? Um, that's a good question. I think the basic, or the starting point would really um, sort of anchor myself in me. I lose my, I lose myself very, I mean, I, I, especially in helping professions. Mm-hmm. You know, I can... I lose myself very fast in the other person. Right. And I think I don't even feel that I've sort of, there's an inner border uh, violation. And and I usually feel it like five days after they're like, oh, that comment was actually painful. Or So I think it's sort of, you know, probably bodily practices to anchor myself in, in my own, in my own center before mm-hmm. I connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing that I do that's really helpful is I'll tell little Christine, like I'll tell the inner child, like, I got this. You don't need to be part of this conversation. Like if I'm having a difficult conversation with my husband or we're going to have a conversation, I often go inside, hand on heart, hand on belly before I have the conversation and say, okay, little Christine, you don't need to be part of this conversation. This is adult stuff. And I visualize her going and playing somewhere so that when I'm speaking with my husband, I can be my grown up woman. And talk to him from that place, not from my wounded inner child place. So I think centering yourself, reassuring that little boy is going to be huge. The other question I want to ask you is, growing up, what healthy men were around you? I mean, we were isolated as a family because of the, our mom was sort of, I always feel like she was sort of a cluster bomb that sort of, you know, had (laughs) the neighbors stayed away from us, the school people, you know, like even kids stayed away from us. So basically my dad. Um, I mean, I had an older brother, five years old, which I looked up to. I mean, I looked up to him, but that's probably not a role model. I mean, five years old. Okay. And do you think your dad and your brothers were healthy examples of masculinity? Oh, 
I mean, speaking about my dad, yes and no. Yeah. No, on the you know, on, I mean, he's very famous in Belgium, but I mean, you know, it's a tiny nation. So, but uh, he, he was a public figure. I mean, he's still a, he's still a public figure, um, and so he's widely respected, and I respected him for that also. Um, but then, in relation with my mom, he was sort of weak. I mean, mm-hmm. she she would literally physically beat us up, and he wouldn't he would intervene. He would never intervene. Mm-hmm. And and I saw him looking and standing by, and I mean, I'm talking six, seven years old, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't intervene. And I was, why, 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 why don't you come and stand between, or why don't you take her away, or, or... right? So in that, I see him do the same as I do, which is also <laughs> right, confronting. right, yeah. So yeah, right, powerful in the outside world, but powerless in in, in the relational field, right. Right. So the reason I'm asking about this is because, as you know, everything's programming. So as a little boy, you're like, okay, well, this is what it means to be a man. I just stand by or take it. Mm-hmm. And I and there's also some work to do and some things to unpack about like what it means to be a man and what masculinity means. And, you know, one of the things that is so important in polarity is that the masculine like holds space and presence for the feminine that can be like the ocean and waves and lots of emotion, but doesn't allow himself to be bulldozed by it. And will stop and kind of go, hey, no, enough. And won't allow himself to be emasculated or, you know, turn into a little boy. So the other thing that I feel is going to be so important for you is like having really healthy examples of masculinity. It may be watching certain movies, it may be reading books, it may be people on Instagram, who knows? But like, because it's, as you know, as a therapist, it's so great to go and work and unpack our past. And it's also so important to like put new programming in. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like you have a lot of programming in about like what being a healthy masculine man in a relationship with a woman looks like. Yeah. And you need more programming. So like writing it out, like writing it out for yourself, because this is also so important to model for your kids, you know, writing it out. Okay. What is it? What does it mean? Look like to be a healthy man? Like what is standing my power really look like? What is having boundaries look like? Like what's okay to really take and hold from a woman and what's not, mm-hmm. you know, and And when I feel emasculated or when I feel bulldozed, how will I handle it? So let me ask you a question. How do you wish your dad would have handled your mother? I mean, I guess, I mean, she was a handful. I mean, what I wished for is that he would have, first I thought he should have removed us from her. Yeah. But then I was like, no, he should have removed her from us. Yeah. uh, and he's always, I mean, he's always felt guilty about that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, yeah, I mean, he makes excuses, which maybe content wise, I I get and understand. But yeah, I, I you know, I mean, I sometimes I think nobody would lay one finger on my kids. Yeah. You know, and he repeatedly, stu- I mean, I'm talking about weekly, uh, weekly beatings. He just repeatedly stood by and I could mm-hmm. see his powerlessness. But um, yeah, so. Yeah, basically putting himself between her and us. Mm-hmm. And then, 
maybe even use all his uh, I mean he, he was well connected uh, yeah use his connections to to remove us or or or, yeah. or even divorce I mean yeah that was one of the decisions I made I said I'm you know I thought about this for like three years like am I going to do this also for the kids and I would feel well I don't want to do what my dad did <laughs> you know right. and he always said we, I stayed together for for the kids and like well right there there were some disadvantages with that as well right right well first of all that's one pattern you broke he didn't Mm -hmm. stay but what you said about i wish you would have got between me and her that's what you need to do in relationship moving forward you need to get between that little boy and a woman who's like your mother Mm -hmm. like when this stuff happens with your partner i want you to visually picture you coming forward and him standing behind you because I want you to try start to separate you from the little boy. So he starts feeling protected. And so you stop like time traveling as much. So one thing that could be helpful, like with the subconscious mind, do you have any pictures of you when you were a little boy? Yes. Okay, great. Get, okay. Well, print one out, get a picture put it in a frame and then get a picture of you current day. It can be a selfie. I don't care. And put a picture of you as a little boy. And then right in front, put a picture of you currently in every day, look at it and be like, I'm standing in front of him. I'm standing in between him and mom, him and ex-partner's name. I'm here to protect him. I'm here to give him a voice. And it just, it sounds silly, but that imagery will help the programming of like, okay, I'm not just a little boy anymore. I'm a grown man and I'm going to do what my father didn't or couldn't. I'm going to get in between me and this and stop it. Because the biggest thing I hear you saying is I wanted my father to do something to make it stop. Like your father, this is not to throw him under the bus. This is just the truth. He allowed his wife to abuse his children. Yeah, that's true. He, he's, he, he was weak. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm afraid that my son, especially, I mean, also my daughter, yeah. that my son also will look at me and say, he's weak. You know? Yeah. Yeah. My dad is kind. Yeah. You know, but still weak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and probably what is there is a terrified little boy. Yeah, weak man. And yeah, yeah, he lost both of his parents in a car crash when he was 12. Oh, oh God. I mean, yes, we can, ugh, I can't imagine. So we can understand. And his excuses and his reasons are valid. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, it still happened. And to a little boy, to a seven year old boy who's getting beaten, your seven year old self doesn't think, oh, Dad lost his parents in a car crash. So he's still paralyzed and frozen as a little boy at 12. He's scared right now and he can't do anything, even if he wants to. Like, you're not thinking that when you're 12. You're thinking, why isn't dad doing anything? Mm-hmm. What's happening? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So in some, like you're working with a therapist, working on the inner child, helping the inner child have his feelings, reframing the beliefs, really getting clear on what what boundaries you want and what that looks like, releasing any shame about being a therapist and should have known better and all that, you know, stuff. And then from like more of the coaching perspective, 
like really getting in between you and the little boy. So it's like, he has a father, he has a protector because in order for you to be in your power in relationship, that little boy needs to feel like you're in power with him, that he has Mm -hmm. a parent, that he has a father. And I know you can do this because you do it with your own kids. You just need to do it with the little boy and having that picture set up. Like I said, is that something you're willing to do or does it sound too crazy to you? No, I already have a picture of my of my younger self in a frame. Okay. So okay, great. Put, so just put that in. And every day look at it. So you're like, and it's a visual reminder to do the work to say, I got you. Mm-hmm. I'm in front of you now. I'm protecting you. That's the reason why, why you're doing this. And then start to write about, think about, talk about, really study. What does healthy masculinity in a relationship look like? What is a healthy masculine in a relationship look like? Because the other thing that can happen when we have an abusive parent, because power has a lot of connotations. And when we have an abusive parent, a lot of times we make a decision as a young child as I don't want to be aggressive in any way. I don't want to yell in any way. I don't want to make other people feel bad in any way. So we become a chameleon and a pleaser because of that. Yeah, I mean, I I have loads of, uh, it's difficult for me to get angry. Right. Or to show. Right. Well, and that's going to be another thing I was going to suggest (laughs) is tapping into your anger. Mm. Would you be angry if someone abused your kids? Yes. Yes. Would you be able to tap into your anger then? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your inner child is your child. Mm. So if you need to use... Again, I'm not saying imagine your kids getting abused. I, I would never suggest that. I'm more saying use your kids like how like that, that protective papa bear energy of like, pardon my friends, don't fuck with my kids or I'll kill you. Like that energy. Mm-hmm. That's what I want you to tap into of like how like no one's going to mess with your kids. And if anybody tries, you'd be so angry. And then think about like, your little boy and not having that and how angry are your mom and your dad. And like, again, the purpose of getting this anger out is to free ourselves to get to forgiveness. I promise you it's there. It just never was really safe for you to feel. And anger is probably going to feel really scary to you because you were at the receiving end of your mom's unhealthy anger Mm -hmm. that was projected all over you. Yeah, that's true. I have, I have judgments on my own anger. Right. Time to let those go and unleash that papa bear, unleash that warrior inside of you. Because that's going to be key to healthy masculinity, not feeling weak, not going into that that flight or freeze patterning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Questions. Does this help? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah it's also the reason I, I submitted a question because I get stuck in my own sort of self-analysis. Oh, me too, Oliver. (laughs) I I understand. I understand. Yeah. And you have already done something so huge, which is you broke a huge generational pattern and you got yourself out of an unhealthy relationship. And Mm -hmm. you're being a great dad. Like all those things are massive. So yeah. please give yourself Thanks. more credit. That's kind to see. 
It's not just kind, it's true. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I like the, yeah, I consider myself a kind person, but it's more important for me to tell the truth. And that is the truth. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I Thank can you. sense that. I can sense that there's potential. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> Thank you, Oliver, for your coachability, your vulnerability, and bringing such a relevant topic forward. You know, it was so clear that Oliver knew what was going on. His relationship with his mother, his father being passive to it. I mean, it's hard for us to understand, right? Like how a parent can let another parent abuse a child. However, if that parent is triggered to their inner child, it's hard for them to intervene. This is the power of the inner child and the places that get frozen in time. You may have remembered a podcast I did a while ago with Richard Schwartz, who's the founder of Internal Family Systems. If you didn't catch that one, go back and listen. I think it came out in 2021. But in that, we talked about exiles, which are these usually inner child parts that are so hidden away, but they massively program our subconscious mind and we get frozen in time. And so just like Oliver had a hard time in his relationship, not letting his ex-partner bulldoze him, his father got frozen in his marriage and couldn't protect his children. That's not a condoning. That's not an excuse. It's just kind of what is. And we can all agree that his father and his mother weren't going to win parents of the year. There's a lot of wounding and a lot of dysfunction there that impacted Oliver. And what I want to acknowledge about Oliver is he is the generational pattern breaker, as so many of you are. I know that. I see you out there. It's hard work. It's hard work and often thankless work when we are the ones doing something different in our family. But he is the generational pattern breaker that's really going to look at, you know, what is this wounding and how do I be with it? And I decided to go more coachy with him because he's in therapy, he's a therapist, to really look at all right, in that moment, how can he just be more aware of, okay, this is little Oliver getting triggered. How do I make him feel safe in this moment? And then also really looking at what healthy masculinity is. And I think this is important for all of us. If we don't have role models at home, whether you didn't have a nurturing mother or a protective father or whatever it may be, you've got to put new programming in. Movies, books, writing it out, spending time with other people. You got to have new examples of what that looks like. So the other thing I really encourage him is looking at what healthy masculinity is because he was raised with a very passive man. So being able to stand up for himself in relationship and especially to a woman when mother was abusive is going to be a huge thing for him. So the work is never done. (laughs) And what I mean by that is we're always learning and growing. Now, some things we do heal and can be done. And then some things take a little time, but the work, and what I mean by work is the evolution, the moving more and more out of fear and judgment, limiting beliefs and pain into love that is ongoing. So next time you feel like, oh, I've dealt with this before. I know I have awareness about it. I know why this is get a little more curious and and go, okay, I've done a lot of work. I may know why this is, and I'm going to be curious. I'm going to take a beginner's mind because we grow the most when we're able to have a beginner's mind. Know-it-alls don't grow a lot. All right, everybody. That's our show for today. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. 
Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.